Hey, welcome to the Bookkeeper's Voice, the go-to business management podcast for Australian bookkeepers running a business. Tune in for practical lessons, inspiring stories, guest speakers and resources to help you work smarter in the way you do business. And now your host, Amy Hook, is here to help you build a more profitable business while creating a savvy brand that your clients will love. All right. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Bookkeeper's Voice podcast. And today I have a very special guest with us today. So I have Kathy Gregory with us and she's going to be talking to us about um, advisory, repositioning yourself into advisory and how to make the journey to go from the recorder of bookkeeping accounts, um, bookkeeping data to being a collaborator with the business owner. So thank you for joining me today, Kathy. It's my pleasure. Really excited to be here. Me too. So yes, yeah, so I've really been actually looking forward um, to this because so um, how I came across Kathy was, um, you know, I've been working with a, a program called live plan. And I, I got in touch with Kathy to talk about, um, you know, kind of how to use various um, online tools, uh, you know, for getting into advisory service. And Kathy, you, rep you actually referred to me to this uh, US-based um, CPE website where accountants and bookkeepers go to get their CPE points up. And so I'd never heard of this website before, but you sent me across to there and I listened to you talk about um, you know, this, this method that, you know, that obviously we're going to talk about today that you're very passionate about. And I could just like, I guess the, you know, um, you know, I could really sense the passion that you had for the industry and, you know, I really connected with that. And I feel in a way that that was one of the experiences that I've had in my journey that has launched what I do at Savvy. Um, it's kind of triggered, it's actually triggered in, um, you know, obviously um, in, <laughs> Uh, you know, for our listeners, um, you've probably heard me mention business planning once or twice, or um, maybe like a thousand times, because I tend to go on about business planning all the time and how important, you know, a business plan is in, in a person's business and how I really felt that that was something missing in the bookkeeping industry. And um, yeah, and so, you know, to have you to come along today is, you know, is actually a real privilege because, you know, obviously you wouldn't know this, but you have actually played one of those parts in my journey in, into what we actually do at Savvy with the bookkeepers. That is yeah. really cool to hear. I mean, obviously uh, I know you and I, I remember talking to you over a year ago um, mm. when I first introduced Live Plan Method to you and we had a phone conversation about it and the whole thing, but I didn't realize um, that you had listened to that recording and I didn't realize how it affected you. So I, it really makes me feel good. And especially because it is, tr I'm glad it came through because I am so passionate about this topic for the accounting industry because the accounting industry worldwide is in this really cool place of, of metamorphosis and they are adding a new, a new service type and a new way, um, not just to be profitable and make revenue, and of course that's true, but a new way to affect their clients. Mm -hmm. And actually, and this sounds really cheesy, but it's not, it's true, a new way to affect the small business economy, which is at the root of everything, right? Yeah. So, and, and so to be able to bring my background, which is in business process design and systems, to be able to have an effect on that, I'm so passionate about that because I believe that that is at the root of this. It's this ability to, to perform advisory, know what advisory is, deliver advisory. It's about the right systems. I'm certain yeah. of that. 
Yeah, that's right. That's right. And I, I mean, a lot of the bookkeepers who will be listening in right now will be, um, you know, in that place where, you know, obviously everyone's at a different stage in their business, but a lot of bookkeepers are looking for, you know, they understand that they help the client um, improve their bookkeeping systems and processes. And so a lot of bookkeepers yeah. realise that they can, um, you know, they can actually move into a space of, um, you know, the, looking at the entire process of the business because, um, you know, a lot of bookkeepers talk about, um, you know, wanting to help their client to understand that they can do more than just the bookkeeping area, but they're able to um, deal with the bookkeeping as it kind of fits into the bigger, you know, more holistic picture of what's actually going on in the business. And yeah, and so actually just, you know, before we went live, you actually mentioned something that, you know, I'd love you to talk about a little bit more. You actually said that bookkeepers are special because they know the transactions and what's actually going on in the business. So their journey into advisory actually looks different to what an accountant's journey is. And, you know, I guess for our listeners, we will actually go into talking about what advisory actually means, but now we're just going to um, have, a, you know, just talk a little bit about kind of ha what the bigger picture is, what, you know, what's happening in the industry and why bookkeepers are, you know, in that, in that special position. Yeah. Bookkeepers are special. Um, you know, are, and I don't want to leapfrog into what advice, it's hard not to, it's hard talk not about to. <laughs> explaining because to understand why they're special, but in That's a nutshell, um, if you're doing advisory, you have to be able to communicate financials and, and not just communicate financials, but be able to tie financial trends um, and other metrics back to what's going on in the operation. And to be able to do that, you need to understand the data really, really well. And so the reason bookkeepers are special is because they already know it. They've, they're, they are in a, interacting with every transaction, even if that's automated, they're still interacting with it. They're still approving it. They're still, they're deep in those weeds. And most bookkeepers, 99.9% .9 of the ones I've ever met, if you ask them what the problems are with the businesses they're working with, they know. They will rattle off every problem. They know what the cash flow is. They know what the problems are. They would know now what is going to happen next month with that bookkeeper, because, or I mean with that business, because it's in their soul. It's in their gut. They yeah. just know because they know the trends. Like they've they don't have to analyze the trends because they see the trends every month. It's just there. So that's what's so cool about bookkeepers. The, the further up, or I don't know if it's up, but the further away from the data that you get, mm. um, then you, you know, if you're in that place in accounting, if you're the CFO and you want to have a meeting like that with a client, you actually have to spend time getting familiar with the data. Bookkeepers don't have to do that. And so take advantage. You are in this place of, of this, uh, of extreme knowledge. And the other reason is that most small businesses, when they uh, outsource their accounting, so first of all, when they grow from nothing, the first thing they want to outsource is their financials, their accounting, because it's the, the least thing they know about. So when they grow from zero to nothing, the first thing is accounting. They want to outsource that, and they're super happy to do it. And when they do it, whether or not they tell you as the bookkeeper, I promise you this is true, in their mind, you're already doing it. They hired you to do it. Whether or not they say to you, great, you're doing advisory services for me now and I can't wait to talk about my growth projections. They don't know those words. What no. they know is, great, you're doing it. Awesome. I'm going to go back and do my trade or my skit, you know, whatever it is. And you got it. And you'll tell me, you're going to tell me, right? When things go wrong, that's what's happening. And so 
all you have to do as a bookkeeper is price it right yes. about it right and position yourself in that and don't come back to them the first month or the second month or the third month and say oh i'm just here to you know be the recorder and deliver you whatever no position yourself in that way because they expect it already they expect it yeah yeah exactly yeah i love it and i love what you said about you know i like for me i have a similar um, feeling towards bookkeepers being in that special role because I feel that bookkeeping it's actually a, a position of privilege I feel that you know not everybody has the business owner's personal mobile number not every person in the business can walk straight into the business owner's office with you know pretty much without knocking and just go straight in and talk to them about one of the most sensitive sometimes private topics which is the person's money and the person's financials it can be a very sensitive topic and I feel that um, you know, uh, I mean, all bookkeepers will tell you that their clients will tell them, tell them things that they wouldn't tell their best friend or their spouse or their other employees. So they're in, they are actually in a position where they receive a lot of knowledge and information about the business owner. Some bookkeepers will say maybe too much information. They know every, they do know everything that's going on, not just in the data, but also within the actual business owner themselves, you know, what the business owner struggles with or you know what their actual like pain points are they're actually spending time with that business owner hearing the business owner you know a lot of bookkeepers are in a um, place where when the business owner has nobody to talk to they'll pick up the phone and call their bookkeeper and some bookkeepers say you know like I, sometimes I feel like I'm sort of like a semi bookkeeper slash counselor or you know they're sort of in that role where they're really hearing what's going on yeah, well, I would add to that. Uh, I agree with all of that. And what I would add to that is maybe say it this way. It, you, it's actually, it's not just the most personal thing. It actually is their personal life because you're working with businesses that are small enough. Yeah. It is their life. It's not like they have a staff of, of, of C-level executives that are doing things. They're doing all the things. They are the things. So, and so so their personal goals, you can't divorce their personal goals from their business goals. It's all one and the same. And in fact, unfortunately, mm. right, some people even have their banking set up incorrectly. <laughs> yeah. Like it really literally is tied. But even mm. if it's set up correctly, um, their personal goals directly affect their business goals. It's not like a big company where, yeah. you know, right, it's separate. So this is, this is in fact personal. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And even that comment that you made about sometimes the business and personal transactions are blended in, even when a bookkeeper can look at that and say, okay, you know, actually best practice is to have two separate bank accounts and it does complicate the process. Even that is a form of advisory. You're giving advice to the client to be able to give them ideas on how they can optimize what's happening in their business. Because I guess every business, I mean, I, I don't know if I can say every business owner's goal. I know for me as a business owner, my goal is, you know, and when I go to people who are in that advisory role for me, my, my goal is to be able to reposition myself in the business so I don't have to be that person who does every single thing. And so I think for many bookkeepers who are already running businesses, whether they have teams or, or not yet, um, often they'll also be in that position where they're looking for, how can I become that person in the business who leads the business but doesn't have to be the person doing everything? And how do you, how do you even make the transition from being everybody to being, you know, actually having your own job description kind of thing. And I kind of, you know, and I think that that all, you know, I think bookkeepers can relate with that goal and they can identify with what the business owner is probably 
going through and, and why they need the information that they need to kind of get out of where they're at and move to where they want to be. That's a really good um, example. I, mm. I, hadn't, I hadn't thought of that before and it's a really, it's a really uh, way to make it tangible and concrete. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And, uh, you know, a lot of bookkeepers are, you know, like or a lot of business owners are great technicians and sometimes they just want to free themselves up. Some, sometimes it goes both ways. Sometimes they want to free themselves up from doing the technic, te technician work so they be can become the business operator. And some of them want to go the other way. They want someone to just run the business for them so that they can be a really great technician and just do what they love to do. That's yeah. Yeah. But either thing. way, either way, either they way. They need the same level of service or type of service from yeah. the book. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So obviously, you know, you, you've spotted that same potential, you know, in, in the bookkeeping industry, because there's a lot of people who, you know, are wanting to work with accountants and help them to offer an advisory service. Um, but for people who are specifically, I think it tends to be that bookkeeper and bookkeepers just get tacked onto the end of accountants. So it's accountants and then it's sort of like, oh, well, you know, we're here working with accountants. So we may as well just kind of start working with bookkeepers too. But I love the fact that you see bookkeepers as a unique entity. Like in a, uh, the, I think the structure of your industry may be a little bit different to ours, but in a way, even though the bookkeeping industry is a part of the accounting industry, the broader accounting industry, we're sort of an, an industry in our own right. Like we actually have our, like a whole industry that's kind of like a complete industry in and of itself as well yeah oh for yeah. sure mm. yeah that. but what i know is that the bookkeepers are the source of all of it yeah. for advisory. so because because a, a, a cpa in the u.s anyway a traditional cpa yeah they're not gonna they're not going to be able to offer the the kind of advisor services that i'm talking about and the kinds mm. that are necessary without the data without the trend without the good data and you don't yeah. get that without good bookkeeping yes so really hold the key to all of this and i think the choice if i'm a bookkeeper the choice is either i want to offer advisory myself and i'm going to position myself to do that and i'm going to set up a level of packages and services that start with you know nothing and work up to something that's more advanced and i'm going to offer that to my clients or I'm going to pair myself up with a CPA or whatever is the equivalent um, outside of the US. And I'm gonna do you know, the pure bookkeeping for that person and charge that person. But either way, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be involved and you have to be. Yeah, that's right, that's right. So I guess now we can sort, sort of start to clarify a little bit what advisory is because advisory has been, it's been a little bit of a buzzword in, in our industry here in Australia. And you've kind of got the the for advisory people and the against advisory people. And then you've sort of got the other people in the middle who are like, I don't know what's going on here, but, <laughs> you know, and so, um, yeah, like what, like what, what is advisory when you talk about advisory, what, what's your definition or what, what, do, what do you mean? Yeah. Well, I guess I should start by saying, I think it's fair to say that, um, first of all, advisory is just an, a word yeah. has a definition. So it's okay to, um, to define it for yourself, yeah. however that makes sense for your firm. Yeah. But what I will say and where we've landed is advisory is about strategic planning. At the root of it, it's really about strategic planning. Um, so understanding what your client's goals are and helping them translate those goals into really a financial forecast. If you get right down to it, that's what it is, a financial forecast. But if that scares you, if that's <laughs> 
hard, then don't worry about that. Just think about it in terms of representing the business owner's goals with numbers. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. You have to be able to, to plan out the goals. So if you are, I'll make it really concrete, you are going to take a vacation. Let's say you're going to take a big vacation and you're going to leave your country a big one, something that you have to plan for, you have to have a budget for. Uh, and, and you know it's six months out, the vacation is six months out. Do you uh, set about a plan for that and, and sort of put a budget together and, and do that from a, a monetary standpoint as well as, not just the financial piece, but what do you wanna do on your vacation? What do you wanna accomplish? What do you wanna see? What, what, why are you going? What do you wanna, what's the purpose? Do you do that? Or do you wait six months out and just leave that day and then <laughs> vacation? And I, I know that sounds kind of funny, but it's really, that's the same thing I'm talking about. That's all I'm talking about. I'm talking about saying, this is a very important thing. And so you're going to put a plan in place. And it's really no different. The skills to do this are no different than the skills that you employ in your everyday world of running your own life the right way. You just have to learn a few trade skills about how you do some financial modeling and what and how that works, but there are products that can help get you there. But that's what I mean. So I mean, understanding the business owner's goals from the outset, translating those goals into achievable uh, chunks of things, and then representing those things in terms of financial projections. And sometimes those projections start as simply as just a sales forecast. You don't even go deeper than that. You just say, what, what do you want to sell? What, what is our sales goal for the next six months? And you can start there. And that's actually a really good way to start. And many businesses do just that. And they survive that way for a year before they start to kind of go deeper and get into uh, cost of goods and other expenses and things like that. They just, just project sales. But anyway, so you have that. And then once you have that and you, and you understand it and you feel good about it, then every month you report on the comparison between your plan and your actuals. What, what you wanted to do versus what you actually did. And you, all you do is measure um, each basic financial metric. It doesn't have to get fancy. It doesn't have to be, I, people love the phrase key performance indicators. And I think <laughs> I was using that phrase before most of people on this call, it's been around a long time, but you don't have to get fancy. It's just simply the regular metrics that fall off of your typical income statement, balance sheet and cash flow. just net, uh, revenues, expenses, net profit, gross margin, uh, AR and AP days, those are important. Those basic financial metrics, each one of those metrics ties back to something in the operation mm. that performing and it's either performing well or not well enough. And your job as the advisor is to help that client see for every metric draw the line between the metric and the operational thing that's going on and how is that operational thing performing. So if it's sales, it's about that. If it's AR and AP days, then you're looking at your vendor relationships or your contracts or your collections. But all of that is the operation as a whole and the financial metrics are just a window into the performance of the operation. And that's what advisory is. And so you sit down with your client and you pick the metrics and you talk about those metrics. And the other job that you have as an advisor, I'm rambling on and on, aren't I? I'm gonna stop. Oh no, it's great. <laughs> the other job <laughs> of as an advisor is to break it down into measurable chunks so that you don't overwhelm your client. You yeah. Pick just the metrics that matter the most at the beginning 
and you focus on those and you get little wins as you go, just like with anybody you're trying to bring along and teach something to. You <laughs> chunk it down and say, all right, we're just gonna, and you, and you really actually, it becomes, um, your job becomes just as hard in doing that as in doing like the actual advice. It's like focusing yeah. them and deciding what is you're gonna meet about at what time. So you do that and you bring them along over time and that, that's what the work is. And I, and I promise you that every big company, every public company, every Fortune 500 company, that's how they manage themselves. Yeah. That's how they do it. And that's how they report to their shareholders and their board every month. Um, and there's no reason why small businesses shouldn't be doing the same thing. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, yeah, I love it. It's, it's just so um, clear when you break it when you break it down like that. So I remember when I, I had no idea what, um, so for example, I didn't know what all this, like all the, all the words meant. I, obviously I would have learned about them at, when I did my accounting degree at, at uni, but you sort of forget all of that. And then, um, so when I was thinking, oh, what actually is a forecast? And it was from um, listening to you talk about it that I was like, oh my gosh, this is, and when, so when you said about financial modeling then, I thought, wow, that was like one of my best subjects at uni. And I thought, ah, oh, this is easy. I know how to do this. And so it's really quite funny, but all the information that I'd learned over the years was all coming together. And I thought, ah, oh. and it's just, I think sometimes when the accounting lingo comes into the picture, especially, you know, if bookkeepers um, haven't done a degree, they might not have the lingo, but they know what it is when they see it. They're like, oh, I've been doing, some of them might think, oh, I've been doing this for years. Like, I mean, financial modeling, I've been doing that, I don't know, like for the last 10 or 15 years kind of thing. And it's just when you join the dots between, oh, when they say that word, that's, it means this thing here. <laughs> it sort of all starts to make sense. Like a financial forecast doesn't have to, it's just planning out what your goals are. And you honestly do that, whether or not you write it down, most people are doing that in their everyday life. Aren't you planning your budget for your own payroll? I mean, aren't you planning your income, mm. thinking about your expenses and your thinking maybe a few months out? And people are doing it. They're just not, they might not be putting pen to paper or keyboard to spreadsheet, but they're, they're doing it. And it's, their it's not rocket science. Yeah, yeah. That's but the method of it is what, I'll tell you what is the work of it is deciding, okay, great. Now if I buy all of that, I get mm. it. And I'm going to do that. But how do I be profitable with that? And how, <laughs> thing and how do I make sure? Because advisory is such a wide open scope that you could be run chasing your clients around in circles, doing custom work for them every month and then not ever making money. And so that's kind of, uh, that's the challenge, I think, to the accounting industry yeah. or to the, is how, what's my system going to be? And so that's why I set about and wrote a, pretty darn structured system for with tasks down to like the five minute level, like really specific so that you could chunk that out and decide, okay, I'm going to do this, but I'm not going to do this. And I'm going to do it in this order. And that helps you be systematized and sort of manage yourself. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And um, yeah, so I was actually thinking about, um, you know, obviously there's advisory, but there's also consulting. Is there a difference between advisory and consulting in your uh, well, so here's the way I think about that. Um, some of it's in the way I think that you set up your pricing and how you go about right. selling. So consult if I'm a consultant and I'm going to sell what I do to my customer, then my sales process is going to be verbal. I'm going to have probably yeah. brochure. I might, you know, I might have paper and things, or I might have, even have a website. But 
every, um, I guess, sale or contract is going to be unique. Yeah. And I can still have standardized work, but I'm going to negotiate that contract with the client mm. individually. I'm going to see what they need and it's going to be very consultative and they're going to get their thing, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and so that's being a consultant. Yeah. And then I can offer advisory and I can do uh, pieces and parts and packages however I want. And that's being a consultant to the to my clients. If I am setting my business up, uh, I don't know what word I would use maybe with, it's with packages, I guess. You can have that be transparent on your website. So you can do a different version where you say, I'm super productized. Like I'm going to treat my advisory services like a, like a straight up product. And I'm yeah. going to, it's going to be super transparent and clients can come to my website and just like pick the thing they want and my prices are there. I think you can do either. You can yeah. offer them either way. Whatever uh, feels the best for you is the best in your area. Maybe mm. your area just used to doing it a certain way however whichever way it works yeah you can still do advisory yeah that's right and i think um one of the roadblocks for bookkeepers here in australia is because bookkeepers um are what bookkeepers who are registered bass agents so a registered bass agent is somebody who's um you know they're, they're certified by the tax practitioners board to um, do certain tasks related to preparing and lodging a, a BAS statement, which is the GST, the um, goods and sales tax return. Um, whereas the, there's um, another registration, which is a tax agent registration. And so obviously the, that, that, there's a higher level of requirement there. There's a lot more uh, years of experience that you have to prove before you get to that level. But they're two kind of um, levels there. And obviously um, within um, the criteria of the BAS agent registration, bookkeepers are not allowed to, firstly, they're not allowed to give tax advice. Okay. So there's certain things that they're not allowed to do, whereas a tax um, tax agent is allowed to give tax advice. The, the other thing, the other kind of registration or for, formal recognition in Australia is more to do with financial planning and financial advice where you're actually advising people on making investments and things like that. And so I think what happens for some bookkeepers is they hear the word advisory and they think, oh, but I'm not allowed to give financial advice. Yes. And that, that happens here too. Okay. Um, for all varied reasons, yeah. um, accountants get wrapped around the notion that they can't provide forecasts because they're not allowed to do certain things. You know, and I think we should strip all of those words out of it and just yeah. say, I, I have come to like the phrase better, and I don't know how it resonates um, in Australia, but um, managerial accounting. That's really what we're talking yeah. about, is managerial accounting. That's what it is. Yeah. And if you are a staff accountant in a, in a company that has an accounting department, mm. that kind of work would be really normal. There would be a bookkeeper that would be doing bookkeeping, and there would be maybe a controller, they call it whatever they call it, but some sort of other accountant, accountant um, who would be looking at month end and they would be working with managers in the company, either the CEO, depending on how many managers there are, to show performance. And each manager would come in, or maybe there's only one, but my point is each sort of thing going on in the business, each department would looking at the financial metric to try to monitor its own performance. Yes. That's all we're talking about. We're talking about outsourcing that and having Absolutely. a bookkeeper do that or having an accountant do that. So we're definitely not talking about investment advice. No. We're not really talking about, although you could if you wanted to, but we're not even talking about valuation either. No. Good, because if you had a full 
if you had a really good performa, which is what you call it at that point, um, you could work with the client on valuation because there's not much difference. If you have a really good financial forecast, then you're just helping the client determine if they're at one times revenue or less than one times revenue or whatever that is. But, but we're not talking about that. We're just talking really about managerial accounting. Um, yeah. But don't think that is boring or not important. That's the nut of what makes the whole business perform. And you're, the business owner is not going to be able to grow or reach any of their goals without this stuff. Absolutely. That's right. Yeah. And, and, and it's really about, it's not necessarily even about, you know, I'm not going to go to a business owner and tell them, Oh, I, you know, I made this spreadsheet and now I'm going to tell you how you should run your business. What no. I'm doing is I'm putting the data together and I'm presenting it to them. A lot of the times when the business owner sees it, they, they, because they understand their business, they have a look at it and they can actually look at that data and see, Oh wow. I can actually see that this product here you know, it costs a lot more for us to promote and sell this product. It's not generating that much revenue. Whereas this product over here, you, you know, they might see that maybe there's two income streams and one is performing a lot better. And then that business owner, you know, I, I mean, I could say to them, look, this one's performing better. So therefore you should focus on this one, but they can probably see that for themselves. So I show them the numbers presented in a particular way. And then they can say, oh, wow, that one really does sell a lot better. Um, and then they can make the decision. They might say, well, this one that doesn't sell as well or cost more to promote, it does help us, you know, um, engage clients. And it, it does help people to kind of connect with the business. So even though that one's not as profitable, we, we're still going to, you know, we can still focus on that, but it's good to sort of bring that awareness. And, and it's not, you know, like often, like often I find is I sit with the person and I help them break things down into and exploring with them as, as they look at it, they then will say, Oh, okay. Can we work out, you know, like it will get seeing the data broken down like that will give them ideas of what else they might like to see. And yes. so, you know, you're not really telling anyone what to do, but you're allowing them a different perspective on the information so they can start to say, Oh, wow. Cause you know, a business owners don't know what questions to ask. And so you're just giving them another set of way to look at things, which gives them a whole new set of questions. They go, oh, wow, I've never actually thought of it like that. But now that I can see that, I have this question, this question, this question. And then they can ask you, can you please provide this information? And yes. you can kind of go back to the drawing board. Yeah, I, uh, I don't think that can be emphasized enough. Like I think people should rewind. Do that thing where you just go back 30 seconds a couple of times and just <laughs> listen to me say that again. <laughs> because yeah. that, that really is so true. And it, I would double down on that and say, yeah. the fact is, it's not, the accountant sh isn't going to know. They're not going to know the answers. Of course you're not. You're not there every day. They're there every day. But yeah. what, it's, it's such a cool relationship, be it a bookkeeper or any spectrum of, of accountant that's doing this work. It's mm -hmm. such a cool relationship with a business owner because neither of you on your own have the whole picture. You just yeah. don't. Mm -hmm. But together, you figure this out. And that's why it's a collaborator. That's why I said at the beginning, it's, it's really about being a collaborator. I like that word better for this than yeah. even advisor. It's, but you're elevating the information. You're bringing the evidence. You're like an investigator. And you've uncovered <laughs> yeah. all of the clues. And you know, know them to be true. They're good clues. They're clean ones. Yeah. And they're accurate. And then you're bringing that to the person. And you're saying, here are these clues I found. And yes. I'm pretty about these things and then the business owner immediately yes will say whatever it is whatever the metric is you're focused on they will usually know some bit of an answer and then you work together and then 
the other thing that I think happens is when the relationship is new to both of you and you haven't uh, progressed very far in it, it's usually a little bit more the accountant uh, coming up with the metrics to start with. So you usually say, okay, if you're a product-based business, then I'm gonna focus on margin. Mm. Uh, if I'm not a product-based business, maybe then I'll focus on pure net income. If I have a lot of AR and AP, then obviously I'm gonna focus on AR and AP days, whatever. But the accountant is figuring out the metrics that kind of are gonna really matter the most to the business. But after two or three months of that, it takes on a life of its own. And it's, as you said, the business owner comes in with their, um, uh, they add so much to the conversation that by the end of that meeting, you've both come up with the next steps and that sets the agenda for the next meeting. And then it just progresses. It just, yeah. it's on a life of its own and just, it, it progresses on its own, uh, I guess, velocity or whatever is the right way to say it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, I love it. And, and so I guess that kind of naturally leads us to the next bit, which is because we're talking, I mean, and we've already started to touch on um, you know, how, and this is what I loved about what you teach because it, it showed me how to, instead of having to tell a business owner that I can help them, I simply followed what you were talking about, which is to show them, like you actually show them how to do that. And so obviously you, we're going to have bookkeepers who are, um, you know, they've reached the point. So some haven't decided whether they're interested in advisory or not, but you've got ones that are, but they say, okay, cool. Well, I've reached the point where I want to do it. And then I can see this far off in the distance picture of myself being an advisor to my clients. But what are the steps in between? There's kind of like this blank space. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. what goes in that space? <laughs> yeah. So that's part of the process that we wrote. So when I set about to do this, I realized, okay, the accounting industry hasn't defined for itself what advisory is. So I'm, I want to do that for what, you know, for live plan and for what we do. So I did that. And then, um, and that, but that's in, when I first wrote it, it was about more the delivery, like the, like mm -hmm. the advisory meeting, right? And then, then it became pretty evident pretty quickly that you have to be able to convert sales or, or get from point A to point B, right? The thing you just said, I, I now mm -hmm. I want to do this. How yeah. do I start? And so I added to the method and it starts really at the point of consultative sale to say, okay, I, I have, I either have a new client that is interested and I think this is a good fit for, or I have an existing client that I want to uh, maybe convert to this. And so how do I do that? And, and the thing is when you offer um, compliance-based services, um, you know, pure bookkeeping for tax, or if you're doing audit, uh, that is a type of service that clients know they need. Uh, they're not super excited about it. But they and so you can sit literally back and just wait for them to come to you because they have to do it. It's, it's, mm. but with advisory, they don't necessarily need it. They should, but they don't necessarily know. So you have to lean forward and you have to, uh, it's a different type of sale in, and, and the type of sale it is, is not a sale. So don't sell it, just show it. And the way is you, you just do it. So we call it a kickoff meeting. That's what, how I chose to label it, but you don't have to call it a kickoff meeting. But I, I'll tell you why though. There's a reason we call it kickoff meeting. Mm. You shouldn't assume you're not going to do it. You should assume you're already doing it. Yeah. And so off. just do it. And yeah. I would, um, the way I wrote the business process is to offer the kickoff meeting for free. You don't have to, not all accounting firms do. If, if you can, and if you can set your business up to do that, if you've got enough um, 
margin on other work, if you've got enough, uh, you know, runway with your cash and you can do stuff like that, I, I really do think you should, but you don't have to. Mm. But the, um, the work of the kickoff meeting is to have about, about a half an hour to 45 minute meeting, um, get to know your client, frame the work that you're doing, make sure they understand what it, what it is and what it isn't, what they're going to get, what they're not going to get. Set their expectations, explain to them what you're going to expect of them and what they can expect of you. Make, you know, you're going to make some promises and then hook them. And the way you hook them is you just simply do it. So you, with live planning, you go ahead and connect the software and you let it pull in the, um, the accounting data and it does that very quickly. And so you can set yourself up in about 10 minutes to have a, a populated uh, account mm. for them. And then you just show them a couple of metrics, pick one or two, and just at a certain point in the meeting, I have a whole script with um, words you can use and things that get you through this meeting. Um, but at a certain point in the meeting, you kind of turn and say, well, let me show you this. So you, well, actually, let me back up a minute. You start the meeting and you say, I want to, you know, just get to know you. I want to understand what it is that you love about this business and what your big goals are. Just what's your big goal? Why do you get up out of bed every day and run this business? You really do have that conversation. And at a certain point, 10 minutes maybe in, you want to you pivot them to talking about financials because maybe they aren't yet. They're probably not. They're probably talking about their passions, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, but you, then you kind of want to nudge them and say, okay, you know, that's really very interesting. What, do you have financial goals? Do you have any, can you get them to talk about numbers at all? And you do this for a couple yeah. You want to see if they even know how to talk about it. Yeah. And do what does it sound like how do they when you ask them that mm. what they seize on and how do they talk about their numbers that will teach you a lot about how they think mm. because you're wanting to connect with that you got to connect with wherever you have to meet them where they are right yeah. so you do that and then once they start talking about some financial goals sometimes they will actually say well i want to make a certain amount in sales or i want to yeah. make this profit. sometimes they won't because they don't even think that way they will just say I need to give myself a raise. Like I'd really like to make more <laughs> profit, money for myself. Like pay yeah. if they're, they are taking payroll. Yeah. I might even say, I really am just trying to save up enough money to send my kid to college. Like that's my, my big worry right now. That's, my, that's a business goal. It really is because it means I need to make more money. So yeah. however they think about that, connect with them on that. Yeah. Then you pivot it to, let me show you this thing that I have. Yeah. Yeah. It have to be like, but it does have to be whatever the tangible thing is that you're going to be working with them on every time when they meet with you, show them that then. Say, yeah. here, let me show you this. Now you're going to start to hook them. So whatever the candy is that you have to offer, yeah. offer it yeah. now, do it now and show them and get them hooked on that now. And don't mm -hmm. talk to them about what you will do. Just do it. Just model it. Show yeah. it to them. Now. Let them feel it now. Feel what that is. Because I promise you, if you can get them to feel it now and see it now, you're going to hook them. And, and that's when you close and that's when you move forward. And then you come out of that meeting and you just say, great, the next step is we schedule a planning meeting. And I, that's what we're going to do. Let's schedule that planning meeting, get it done. And then you can begin charging them for that. Yeah, yeah that's great. Yeah, I, I, I love that I, because it hadn't really occurred to me how, how much more effective it is to 
um, just get someone along to a meeting and to come and um, explore what they really care about and show them, you know, you, during that process, you're getting a little bit of an opportunity to actually, you know, impress them a bit with your skills. They'll, you know, it helps them to see like, oh, wow, like I didn't even know you knew this kind of stuff. Um, so, so automatically you're repositioning them by showing them. Um, we've got um, a lot of, I just find a comment that I hear in the industry like very, very often is they, uh, bookkeepers will say, oh, but business owners aren't interested in their numbers. They're not interested in their financial reports. Um, yeah. Is that something that you hear yeah, often well, in your... Mm. And you know what? They're not. They don't want to yeah. talk about it. They don't <laughs> want to talk about their they do not want you to present them with an income statement and show it to them. They, they don't, don't stop doing that. If you're doing that, just stop. Stop it. <laughs> yep. Please, because they don't understand it. They don't, and I'll tell you, I sit on an, a nonprofit board too, and we are loaded up with people who should understand that. Mm. Anchor on our nonprofit board. They don't understand that. They don't care. And then what happens is, and I guarantee this happens with small business owners too, because they don't understand it, they will start asking questions just to make it seem like they know or make it seem like they're <laughs> using their time the right way. And it's all nonsense. Yes. So just get rid of that and pare these numbers down. Just focus on one metric at a time. Just talk about sales, only that. Mm. And now that will translate. That's revenue, right? That's a financial metric. Mm -hmm. It comes right on the income statement, but don't talk about it on the income statement. Just show them their revenue and talk about how they're doing their sales. Because what business owners do want to talk about is their business. They'll talk to you all day long about their business. Yeah. They don't want to talk about their financial statements because they don't, it doesn't speak <laughs> to them. They don't understand what to do with that. Who cares? Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's right. And I think because a, a, comment, a comment I would hear a lot from business owners will be, um, oh, I who cares about the profit and loss? What really matters is how much money there is in the bank. <laughs> like that's a super common comment. And then, yeah. Or, or the, another favorite is, well, wait, if this was my profit, Where's why the is money? Exactly. And they don't see the connection. So obviously the financial statements aren't doing their job because no. they don't understand them. And so just get rid of that and you can file that away or whatever. It's pretty, but yeah, I think so many accountants, and I totally get it, and I, and I appreciate that there are people in the world who really get jazzed about transactions and about making the right transaction and about applying the right rule to book the right transaction and keeping it clean. We need that. We absolutely need that. Yeah. But the fact is, it's a means to an end, and, but the end is this great conversation that you can have with your client to affect their goals and their dreams and their life. It really is. True. It sounds cheesy, but it's true. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And I think the only time, I mean, often the only time a business owner has ever thought about planning their, um, the salary that they're going to pay themselves has been a result of their accountant's tax planning. So a lot of people will base the salary they pay themselves from the business because the accountant says, this is the best salary to pay yourself for tax purposes, to make you pay the least amount of tax possible. And not a lot, I find not a lot of people actually think about, so one of the things I often ask my clients very early on is, do you have a home budget? Have you ever looked at your personal spending and how much do you actually need to, if you were an employee, how much would you need to get paid for you to be able to comfortably live inside of what you now spend 
and the other things that you don't yet spend because you don't have the money. So like, what does that look like? And I think what happens, I think sometimes people are scared. I think some of the, sometimes that people don't like to see their financials is because they're a bit afraid to see. It's like when you like think, Oh gosh, I don't want to get on the scales. <laughs> you know, I'm a bit scared to get on the scale. So I just prefer not to know how much I weigh, for example. And so that's a really, I guess, a really simple analogy. They might think, well, I, I know I need to know, but I sort of don't want to know um, because I think sometimes people get a sense that something's not quite right, but they're a bit afraid to confront what it actually is because it can be very overwhelming. That's a really good point. That's a great point. And it's another example of why paring it down into just tiny metrics. Tiny. Just only events yeah. only we're just going to focus on this hey, hey i well there's two other things i want to say but let me say this one anecdote now um mm. i spent a year and a half well two years actually uh working for this engineering firm that had 12 offices around the nation and this was before cloud i'm i'm dating myself <laughs> but it was before there were cloud tools available to do this for this company and it was let's see it had been public but it wasn't public at the time so yeah. that big right it's what we did to manage ourselves. We weren't, the, each individual business unit was not looking at the full financial statement. I was paring things down into these metrics, AR days, AP days, total sales, total revenue, uh, gross margin and net income, I think. I can't remember that one. And sending out individual metrics to the offices and then the offices would post them on the wall. That's how old we were. Yep. Um, <laughs> And that's how they understood how to measure themselves. So what was so beautiful and pure about it is each individual person could focus on their individual goals. So like the AP clerk, for instance, all she cared about was AP days. She was mm. home like a laser. On AP. <laughs> and then salespeople were focused in like a laser on revenue. And, and that is how we affected the business. We didn't try to hit it with everything. We hit it with each of these individual metrics. And so if you do that, even though there's still one business owner looking probably at four or five or six of those metrics, mm. when you pair them down that way, they can hone in like a laser and, and get it. They can get it. It becomes more real. It becomes more concrete and tangible to understand how that one metric uh, is being derived and how it ties back to their operation. Right? Yeah, that's right. Another thing I wanted to say, when you talked about cash and, and um, connecting, mm business owners on on uh, in that way I I wanted to kind of pare back a little and say it's not that financial statements don't matter and it's not that they're not useful it's just that they can't always connect and so to your point of uh, it scares them I agree because so now I'm finally looping back around to the thing I wanted to say <laughs> is that Small business owners aren't always um, problem aware. They don't, you can't necessarily hit them with, hey, we're going to do strategic planning. Woohoo. They don't necessarily know that that's going to help them, but they do know that they have spending decisions to make. So one spending decision is how much they're going to pay themselves. But there are other spending decisions like they have to purchase capital equipment or they have to, they want to hire an employee and can they hire an employee? Mm -hmm. So they're faced every day with spending decisions and cash problems. And so sometimes it's really good, uh, most of the time, it's really good to meet them there at their cash need and start there at, at understanding how to um, be able to make spending decisions and cash decisions, but eventually work with them to understand 
that it's about the full financial forecast that will help them get there, right? Yeah. So if you can get your cash under control and you can be able to make spending decisions and put out some fires and like just feel a little more comfortable, then the bigger financial planning, the bigger strategic planning will help you before cash becomes a crisis. Mm-hmm. So I see, the reason I'm saying this now is I hear more and more bubbling up the talk in the industry um, about just simply cash management. Like let's just manage cash and have that be what advisory is. Yeah. And that it's a fine place to meet a business owner because I know it's where their fire is, but cash management is not a way to grow a business only. You can't yeah. do that. You have to get bigger than that. But I do understand that usually when you start out with a small business, that's their fire. That's their biggest problem. So fine, meet them there. Yeah. But understand and help them learn over time that if the cash problem started because you didn't have your income statement forecast in order, right? You you didn't have your your real PL forecast in order. Yeah, that's right. And you sort of just basically covered the next question that I was going to ask. But what I guess what I wanted to um, ask you is that like if so if a business owner personally came to you or you were speaking to a business owner and they literally said to you, um, Oh, the profit and loss doesn't mean anything. Um, It's all that matters is what's that there's cash in the bank. So just commenting on that cash in the bank comment. And I guess the reason I'm asking you this is because I feel that this is a great takeaway for the bookkeepers to know because they don't know how to respond to that comment. It's sort of like a, it sort of feels like a bit of a closed door in the face. The bookkeepers don't know how to actually respond to that specific comment. How would you personally respond to that? Yeah, great. I love this question. So the first thing I would ask them is why? Why why do they think that? Yeah. And I would want to understand that that answer. Um, and so because there's not a small business owner here in this example, I, I realize that can't be done. But yeah. that's fundamental to understand because you can't you on anything you're trying to teach somebody, you're never gonna be able to um, teach them unless you meet them where they are. So again, back to this, meet them where they are. So try to understand why they think that way. Yeah. If, and there's, I guess you could break it down into one of two things. Either um, they're ignorant to the real answer, which is fine. Many people are, yep. um, or they really don't care. Like some, some small business owners do not care about the valuation of their business or growth. They really just, it's small enough they're just paying themselves, they're generating cash, and they and, the, and their net profit is equivalent to their cash almost. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Like, yeah. And that, okay, so fine. So that's why it's super important to ask them why, because the two camps matter. So if, yep. <laughs> right, if the answer is, all I ever care about is cash, I'm tiny, I want, so then you still can work with them and you can say to them, okay, but don't you want some security on that cash? And don't you want to make sure that six, nine months down the road, mm. it's safe? And don't you want a raise? Like, don't you want to <laughs> sure that you can pay yourself more over time? And you probably are going to want to hire more employees. So even if you don't consider that growth, you're still going to logically have to make decisions down the road. So we're, yeah. we to put some sort of a beginning forecast together for you to help you feel comfortable about your future. So that's how I would answer that question. Mm. If a person truly doesn't, is ignorant to the real answer, which is that there is a big difference between cash and, and netting and, and the importance of the PL, then you start to educate them around what does it mean 
what does real growth in a business mean? Mm. And what does, what does valuation mean? Like, what does it mean to have a business that has value to it? Mm. Yeah. Because does succession planning matter to them? Do they want to grow something so that they can turn it over to a family member or they can, well, are mm. they a are they trying to grow really big? Like it, it really depends on what their what the business is in the long term uh, yeah. prospect. But if this is a business that is looking at any type of growth like that, then yeah. you got to have a conversation about growth, and you have to explain um, the difference between cash and the income statement and what it means to forecast an income statement. Because now you're talking about um, uh, really being able to understand and plan where your profitability comes from. So are you making profit on the thing that you sell? If you're not, that's a problem. Yeah. Like some aren't, right? Some yeah. businesses only look at the at the the full net profit and they're not they're not focused on gross margins. So they have no clue yeah. they're making money on the on the thing that they're selling and they're conflating all of that stuff. So so the, the PL is the only place you're gonna be able to understand where you're making your profit, what the potential for more profit is, and your potential for growth. And yeah. you're always going to have a cash fire if you're not getting your PL house in order. Yes. Before that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and I like that. And you, you, you said, I like the fact that it starts with your first response was a question. Yeah. Rather than trying to defend what they've said. You're asking them what what did they mean by that because there could be something underlying that and they might mean different things. And you said that um, they're either they're either ignorant to what the answer is or they don't care. And what I was thinking is in the people of the camp of don't care, you've got people who like potentially I think to myself, well, why don't they care? Maybe at this point in time that is not affecting them because they always have more money in the bank than what they than what they need to spend. So they haven't you know, maybe they've been in a season where, you know, where the sales are the, you know, the income coming into the bank is maintains a level, you know, like let's say their cash balance, their bank account balance tends to kind of fluctuate around the same amount. They just go, oh, okay, well, there's nothing else to really worry about. Um, yeah, but then don't they, do they want to reinvest that money in there? But that's just an asset. So cash in the bank is an asset. That's right. <laughs> that asset do they want to reinvest it back in their business and do yeah. something with it do they want to and either answer is fine yes that's right and they might just say no like i'm happy with the you know happy with the level and right. yeah yeah but that's give yourself a raise there's all kinds of the business has all these levers and drivers that that you can press mm. to make to make a thing happen so if if you don't want to grow it then that's yeah. fine too that's but right. you be aware of what the drivers are yeah, that's right. And I, I love that because I, this is what I always think. I think if you hear a common phrase said repeatedly by people and it's always, always said word for word, it's always the profit and loss doesn't statement doesn't mean anything. It's about how much cash is in the bank. You hear that phrase, it's word for word. It's always the same phrase. So when I hear word for word, always the same phrase, what I assume is happening is that you know, let's say I'm talking to Joe. Well, Joe heard his friend Fred say that. And so he just says what his friend said. He's not actually saying something based on what he actually necessarily believes, but it could be a common thing that's said in that, that industry. It could be a common thing that's said amongst, you know, friends who are business owners. So it's not, I think, you know, responding to that with that question to kind of uncover what's under that is, 
you know, I think that's really important because they might not actually believe that. They just think they do because that's what everybody says. Yeah. Yeah. This is fascinating to me. I, I, um, it's funny because in my background, I didn't care about the cash. Mm. <laughs> I didn't care. I, I am so interested in that P&L because the P&L is the DNA of the business. Mm. It 100% is. It's, yeah. it, it, um, it's where all the potential is housed. It's where you can uncover uh, where the business is, how it's structured correctly or not correctly, because it, it, everything is there. So to me, it's 100% completely about the P&L. If you get that P&L right, if you get that forecast, the P&L forecast, right? Yeah. Or just even the one model, you know, just what do we sell? What's kind of the basic cost of it? What are mm. our monthly? Is, you know, just the one month budget or whatever. If you get that one line right, yeah. boy, you've got everything. And you, and you should be continually questioning it, evolving it, challenging it all the time. Because if you get that right, then you're not having cash issues. Mm. Cash is taken care of. I mean, that, that in combination with the timing of collections and, um, yes, and receipts, then, then your cash is fine. And so I think, I wonder if that's said so much because there's just a lack of understanding about the potential of what can happen if you dive into that and treat it like your, uh, I don't know, like your monthly thing to do. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. I know that business owners, small business owners are super attuned to cash. I always took it to assume that it's because they have constant spending decisions to make. They're always faced with a spending decision, whether or not that's payroll. I mean, gosh, I, I have never, I'm going to, think about this to make sure I'm right. Yeah, I've never personally been um, responsible for somebody else's payroll. And gosh, yeah. I bet that has to be stressful. I mean, that, that's the most stressful thing, right? Yeah, and so yeah. That's what they're faced with. And I'm sure that's why cash it is always on their mind. That, that, that first, and then, oh, I have to make a capital purchase or I want to hire somebody or I want to, you know, whatever it is. So I always assumed that's why cash was um, thought about that way. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And, um, yeah, I just, I, I just think this whole topic is so fascinating and just to be able to listen to you break it down like that is, yeah, I, I think this is definitely, you know, what, what we need to hear and to hear someone who's able to talk about it, you know, in, in a, in a way that's kind of broken down into steps, you know, even into that kind of granular you know, step-by-step way of doing things, which I think, you know, bookkeepers love that sort of stuff. They love the, you know, the, the, the granular of things, you know, one struggle that bookkeepers have had is, you know, around their pricing, how to price their services. And I, I, I'm of the, um, um, you, you gave an example of how, you know, having everything transparent and productized. So I'm very big on that style of doing things, of actually turning everything that we do as bookkeepers into a little mini product. So you're imagining there's like a shelf of products and you go, what do you need? And you yes. just pick it off the shelf and it's not, you know, it's not personal. Um, if they say no to it, it's not about, you know, it's just like the same as if you worked in a shop and you had items on your shelf and, you know, people look at it and they either want to buy it or they don't. And they either like the price or they don't, and it doesn't really matter. And you can just, you can bundle things together. And that's the other thing that I liked about your process where it actually, it makes it so easy to price. It makes it easy to understand. And you were talking about um, earlier before we, we got online about how when it comes to repositioning yourself, the pricing is actually an important aspect. Yeah. Yeah. And well, so I set the system up 
to be um, to support productization because I believe in that. I, mm. I and and not only do I believe in that, it doesn't matter what I believe in, but it but <laughs> supports it. So yeah. we uh, we sell about ninety percent of our sales are direct to small business clients, and and um, we also work with accountants and other people who act as advisors to those clients. But we know a lot about what small businesses want and need. Um, our uh, our nurturing sites see about two million unique visitors a month. So we yeah. see a lot of small businesses, and we we survey them from time to time, and we also just hear from them. So we know that price uh, price transparency matters. What they really want to see is just what is the price. And also, you don't even have to survey small businesses; just look to, yeah. to what the ecosystem is like now. It's just what people expect. Everything is on an app. Everything is exposed. Everything is. Mm there for you to know. So yeah, so I really believe in that. And I, I built that, uh, the live plan method process to, to support productization. And once you have your tasks all broken down and then you decide what of that you want to do, it's really easy to piecemeal that apart and, um, and make it discrete products and then offer whatever those products are yeah. to your clients. I think for bookkeepers, the spectrum being, um, uh, like just a, a super light automated reporting. So set yourself up with a system that will just hum behind the scenes and develop these uh, discrete metrics for you every month. And you can offer those in a report to your client with just a simple quick narrative, maybe take 20 minutes to put that together and just send that to them. And that's probably the lowest package. And I tell you, I've done a lot of analysis on that, on looking at um, what the margins could be on that work. And it, in some ways, if you get really efficient at that, there's more margin in that almost yep. than um, like the higher up the food chain you go, then the more time you're spending. So that's a really slick way to do it. So at the low end that, and then, um, you know, just adding more services as you go. I think the next uh, thing to offer would be a sales only forecast. So you can say, all right, I'm going to work with you on just your sales and, and see if you hit those targets. And then as a client gets comfortable with that over time, you can build the rest of the forecast and then have a bigger package that offers, that offers that. You can also chunk it out into monthly meetings versus maybe quarterly. I think you have to at least meet once a quarter. If you're not doing that, you're not going to be able to have enough touch points, um, but you could break it that way. So yeah. various ways doing productization. Yeah, I love it. It's great. And it, yeah, it's just been great to have you along today. And what I would like to do is, I, I mean, we'll connect once we, once we jump offline and I'll grab a couple of resources perhaps that we could share. So I normally share um, some resources in the, in the notes of the podcast, in the transcript. So I'll, I'll grab a couple of things off you. I'm thinking maybe, a, a, you know, what, like definitely one of your webinars, um, you know, like hearing about the actual method I think is beneficial and, um, um, yeah, anything else that you think that would be helpful for, you know, for our bookkeepers to to have a look at? To... Yeah, we offer, um, so I keep referring to this process, we offer four resource guides on our website that yeah. are, you know, Great. So I can, um, we'll make sure that you know that link for the people, but <laughs> yes, they're not on our website and, and people can get them and then um, depending on how deep they want to go with training, we have um, we have an online training portal people can join if they want to go deep with training or they can just use the resource guide. Also, our um, help center has oh, yeah. really nice online help. So there's lots of ways to do this, um, just depending on how people like to learn. 
Yes, that's right. That's right. Well, thank you so much for your time. And, you know, thank you for everything that, you know, that I've learned from you over the last year or so since I, you know, since I discovered you. <laughs> and, um, yeah, just to, you know, have you come along and speak to, you know, speak to our audience and clients and everything is just, yeah, it's a big privilege. And, you know, the knowledge that you've brought is just, yeah, it's incredible. It's my privilege. I think this industry is so special. It, it really is a cool uh, worldwide. It's so odd how obviously big it is, but yet small at the same time. Yes. People are so warm and friendly. Anyway, it's been my pleasure. Thank you yep. for having me. You're welcome. All right, everybody. Well, anyway, I'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning in again and um, I'll see you then. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Bookkeeper's Voice. We'll be back next week, so make sure you subscribe to get future episodes via your favourite podcast app. And if you love this episode, jump on and leave us a review. Are you looking for some resources to help build a more profitable business while creating a savvy brand that your clients will love? Join the Savvy Bookkeeper Facebook group or head to our website, thesavvybookkeeper.com.au. Until next time, stay savvy.